I was one of those kids, you know, like, especially moving to America, I just wanted to have like a Lunchable or a Pop-Tart. Yep. <laughs> but that never happened. We'd be bringing like Tupperwares full of like Tabuli <laughs> to school. And I'd be trying to trade Tabuli for a PBJ and like kids would just be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm Delia Cologne and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Where there's food, there are usually good stories. And that's what we're exploring today with comedian and storyteller Natasha Sam Rainey. For creative types, the family dinner table is a source of endless inspiration. That's certainly the case for comedian and storyteller Natasha Samrani. She's a military brat who's lived all over the world, including spending her adolescence in Tampa, where her parents still live. For Natasha, family dinners were a boisterous, hours-long affair with her parents and her three sisters. In our conversation, Natasha shares stories from her multicultural upbringing, describes her favorite Ecuadorian, Italian, and Lebanese foods, and offers advice for parents of budding comedians. My mom is Ecuadorian, so she immigrated to Illinois, to Chicago when she was a kid. And then my father grew up in Pittsburgh, which, I mean, Chicago is like a huge food city. Pittsburgh has like a cool food scene as well. But my dad grew up, I guess, bicultural. He is Lebanese on one side. Yeah, so good. And then Italian on the other. So I grew up in like a multicultural, multilingual family and dinners at the San Rainey household. If you were not there, it was always like, my dad, you better have a darn good reason why you're not. It's like, I have three sisters. It was always loud and like so much food and just like a lot of fun. It's, I think it's where we spent a lot of our time. Even once we finished eating, you know, we just were talking and deciding what was going to happen for the week or just a very, very conversational food friendly family. What was the food situation? Oh, too much food. <laughs> I joke about it sometimes. It's funny. My mom's side on the Latin, the Ecuadorian side, I don't know. Ecuadorians, there's so many different ways you can eat pork. Like we <laughs> love it. So my mom is an incredible cook. And like outside of learning how to make her own food, everything from like empanadas and like yuca and yapingachos and chancho, like she learned how to cook what my dad loved. Italian food. We always had like pasta, like lasagna, tortellini. There was a lot of seafood in our house, which we loved. And then the Lebanese food, like if you're a big fan of like shawarma or falafel, tabbouleh gear, oh my goodness. We would always bring like leftovers to school. And I was one of those kids, you know, like especially moving to America, I just wanted to be like, I wanted to have like a Lunchable or a Pop-Tart. Yep. <laughs> but that never happened. We'd be bringing like Tupperwares full of tabbouleh. <laughs> to school and I'd be trying to trade to bully for a PBJ and like kids would just be like what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> oh they would love that now they would totally yeah, go for that now but I, I could see what what year were you born I was born in 84 okay I was born in 82 so I could okay. see back in our day yeah <laughs> not so much all I wanted was a, a fruit roll-up you said right. moving you said moving to America so yeah where were you born originally so I was actually born in Maryland near DC, but when I was two, we moved to Panama for the military. We spent probably my formative younger childhood years there. So Panama, and then after that, we moved to Germany 
So when we moved to Florida, I was a teenager. So it was a culture shock. (laughs) Wow. What were the biggest shocks for you as a teenager? Probably like fitting in. Moving in general can be like, I think someone said once, it's like one of the biggest challenges or like emotional things to deal with. But like moving to a new country was, we had done it before, but I don't know. I feel like moving to central Florida as a teen, everyone already had their own friend groups. Everyone had certain ways that they did things. Like they all watched the game on Saturday. They all like played volleyball. They all went to their favorite fast food places. And I don't think my mom had ever, I think she'd taken us to a fast food place like twice. So I didn't know like the lingo, like people would say like Mickey D's. And I was like, who is Mickey (laughs) D? Oh my gosh. Who's this Mickey? That's funny. My daughter does play volleyball. So I guess we're, we're grooming her to be a, a Florida girl. Now, What was it like having your parents in the military? Obviously, you're moving around a lot, but do military members, not to generalize, but just in your experience, do military chefs have a certain way of doing things? Because honestly, I've, I've talked to many chefs over the years of doing this podcast, and I have learned that a a kitchen, a a restaurant kitchen is set up like a military. And the word chef just means the chief, the boss. I didn't Um, know that. That's so cool. Yeah. The whole (laughs) power structure and taking orders and all of that. It's very militaristic. So I guess your parents were just kind of living that out. You just blew my mind. I'm going to ask my mom about that because she probably knows about that. I guess I felt like the main chef in my life probably was my mom. And she was also Air Force. She started in reserves, but she retired at a higher rank than my dad. She somehow found the time to like work and build a home, all the things. She always kept a very clean kitchen. She wasn't like stringent or strict or anything. But I do remember at a young age, her always inviting us, her daughters to like help in the kitchen, like just to learn. I've always had a sweet tooth. So my favorite time was definitely like baking with her. (laughs) Yeah, eating the cookie dough. And like, I was laughing about this with my sisters the other day. Like we would always help as soon as dinner was done. Like one of us is doing the washing, one is doing the drying and the, you know, someone else is putting all the food away, the leftovers for better, for worse. I like never mind helping put the leftovers away because no matter how many helpings you had at the dinner table, if there was some extra tortellini or like patacones on there, you know, somehow half of them did not end up in the Tupperware. (laughs) Right. Just choose a smaller Tupperware. (laughs) Just just Tetrising everything to fit what you wanted. (laughs) Oh, totally. So what would happen when you brought friends to the house or significant others? I know people from other cultures, like my best friend is Jewish and I learned yeah. a lot of Jewish culture and even prayers and things like that, just hanging really? out with her over the years. And then tomorrow my daughter's getting her hair braided. And I know that's going to be a shock for her best friend who's coming with us because she's never witnessed that. Oh, it's going to take four hours to get this girl's hair done. <laughs> that's a long time. But my best friend knows all about that because she grew up around me watching me get my hair done, you know? that. So what was it like when you would bring outsiders into your home? I remember, I think I was like 22 or something. I probably brought like one of my first serious boyfriends over and, you know, over the dinner table, we could be at the table for like three hours just talking and stuff. And our family got into some loud discussion about politics. And like when our family gets excited for better or for worse, like we just get louder. (laughs) 
what Latinos and Italians getting loud? I can't imagine. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like, I catch myself doing this in the day of the day. Like I'm probably doing it right now. Like my volume gets higher and higher and I'm like, okay, simmer down Natasha. But we were at the dinner table and like, just get all getting excited and into this. And I remember looking over at my new boyfriend at the time, his face was like ghost white even, and his eyes were so big. And he just like looked at me and he's like, are you guys okay? <laughs> You know, words were just flying across the table. Oh, yeah. So excited. But like, that's how family dinners were. Like, we just, everything happened over family dinners. I remember my older sister, my parents gave my sisters the coolest name. My oldest sister's name is Cleopatra. Ooh. (laughs) I know. And she, out of all the sisters, was probably like, we always say she's the sweetest. She has a natural sweet temperament. And I remember my dad would go around the table when we were younger and he'd always, you know, ask us each like, how is your day? What would you do? And, you know, help us understand how to develop a conversation, a back and forth. But she used to get so anxious because she would talk really fast and not be able to get out the thoughts the way she wanted to. And my dad bless his heart, just trying to help her along would be like, okay, Cleo, get to the point, Cleo. (laughs) So as you can imagine, as a little kid, she was just like, sometimes traumatized by that. Like, I'm trying to tell a funny story, but it's not coming out. (laughs) Right. So much drama at the table. how you tell a story. And that's why I love what you're doing now as a stand-up comedian. So all of these experiences from your childhood, did you find them funny at the time? I mean, do you find your trauma funny at the time? (laughs) Fair point. No, I mean, probably not. I probably didn't find all of them funny at the time. But I mean, the comedians that I tend to relate to a lot are the ones that have a good chunk talking about their family and the ridiculous things that they did. So I guess now looking back, I'm finding the moments that I related to and that other people related to the most. And they just, they seem ridiculous. Yeah. But I I just think there's such a fun intersection between comedy and food. So maybe what's something from your childhood kitchen that you said wasn't so funny at the time, but is now fodder for what you do. From when I was a kid, (laughs) there there was this one time, it was probably like a little embarrassing at the time. When I was in high school, I think my grandma, my dad's mom moved in with us and she's full Italian. Her name was Rosina. (laughs) We loved it because like she was naturally, I think had this sort of very dramatic personality. She was an opera singer, a colorator soprano, and would, you know, play in operettas and everything and very Italian. My parents used to laugh. She would like smoke and swear like a sailor, they said. <laughs> but when we were in high school, she moved in with us and my grandma Rosina like worked so hard throughout her life. And she, she was just a very honest person, but she was a lot of fun. My mom, I guess she raised us religiously. We were Mormon. So add to the multicultural layer. We oh, grew- you like that out. Just bury that the lead. Sorry. Bury the lead. Oh, that's we gotta were- be a, 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 a fount of comedic material. <laughs> so much. So we were raised Mormon, but it was like a progressive household. So like we weren't, you know, full anything. So it's just like this weird conflicts of like Mormon and post-recovery Catholic and every everything you could just throw in the soup. That That was us. And I remember for dinner, like I think one Sunday dinner, we had the Mormon missionaries over and my mom just loved hosting people. She would have everyone over, colleagues, um, you know, people from the church. 
and she had these Mormon missionaries over. Now, if you know anything about young Mormon missionaries, they tend to be like 18 to 21 years old and like very restricted in like the conversations they can have and the places they can go and who they can spend time with. So very like clean lifestyle. We had them over for dinner. It was all my sisters, my parents, my grandma, who at this point, I think she was, had sort of entered into like dealing with dementia, you know, so it was, it was a very challenging time. All that to say, she said whatever she wanted to say. This is two young Mormon missionaries. I think they were like from Idaho and Utah, <laughs> side parted hairs, clean suits. And my grandma, she didn't understand what missionaries were. She was like, so I know why you guys are over here. She said, I have these four beautiful granddaughters and you're going to try and take them off, aren't you? You're just going to like leave with one of them. She's like, that's okay. I'll tell you who my favorite one is. And at that point, she like, the missionaries were blushing, like went straight from white to red. And my grandma Rosina was like, it's okay. You can tell me, who do you like? And she takes $5 out of her pocket and she shoves it into the missionary's pocket, like his suit pocket, like straight in what is happening? And <laughs> this happens so quickly that none of us can do anything. My mom is just, grandma, you can't, you can't shove your hand in a young man's pocket. What, <laughs> was, what was the $5? Was that the dowry? This is the, yeah, she's like trying to, at that point, she was just like, here, let me give you some money. Why don't you go ahead and take one of my girls out for like a night on the town or something? <laughs> a night on the town in, in 1921. <laughs> <With> $5. <laughs> like, my grandma's still living in the depression. And like these missionaries had no idea what to do. And we are dying <laughs> as young teenagers. We're just like, well, I guess dinner's over. <laughs> oh, get yourselves a table at Burns Steakhouse oh, my goodness, <laughs> with $5. <laughs> no, but you are a one wonderful storyteller. And I wish I could talk to you all day, but I wanted to touch on this event that you held recently in St. Pete called Dish, which was a storytelling event on stage centered around food in the spirit of maybe the Moth Radio Hour yeah. or any of these other live storytelling events. So what makes food such a good topic for connecting people, especially someone with your background? Because I yeah. could see, I don't know if people ever ask you like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? No, where are your parents oh, from? You know what I mean? Time. Because you have such a, an interesting yeah. background. Yeah. I think food brings people together. I think that it is one of those things that is so universal, but not for lack of a better term, like political. You can sit down with someone you've never met before and you're both eating the same meal. So all of a sudden you have a shared experience and you can have different feelings for what it means to you and how it tastes to you. And like, that is all fodder for like conversation. And I don't know, I just think it's just a beautiful universal experience. Like we all have to eat, right? <laughs> so let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for families that may have a budding comedian around the dinner table? I love that. I would say if your kids are hilarious, get it on tape. <laughs> if not only for your entertainment but because years later, you're going to want to keep those stories. Like those stories will be priceless. There are actually a lot of theaters, whether community theaters or larger ones that are now offering like comedy, improv or stand-up classes, even for kids. And if you don't find that in your town, there are like a lot of Instagram-based or YouTube-based comedian classes that you can hop into. I will say the one thing that I've always done, and I think my parents had a really good foresight, was I've always written. I have three boxes full of journals from when I was a kid of just, you know, writing down what I remember and what stuck to me as a kid. 
And I think that's really built my ability to like articulate and to think in story. So uh, get your kid a journal. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I have to ask you, what was your, what are, what are a couple of your favorite foods that you remember eating in Cuenca when you were there oh years gosh, ago? Oh my gosh, it's been over 20 years. Oh my gosh. Um, ahi was one. It's like a garlicky, spicy salsa that mm-hmm. just, we would put on everything. So I it's love that. Put it on eggs, put it on rice, put it in soup. <laughs> um, and the juices, I remember being really good because they had like tamarind, coconut. Um, Did you ever have chirimoya or tomato de arbol? Do you recognize those fruits? No, I don't think so I had good. Or those. mango, of course. Of mango, uh, yes. Uh, Explain what yapping gachos are. This is like the, the post, <laughs> this is okay, like yeah, the after party. Sorry, here. I just like to- <laughs> No, so, no, for people who don't know. Oh, yapping gacho is so good. I need to make them. They are like a potato pie, like where you take potatoes and you have to make your mashed potatoes and then you like pat into these little circular discs. I don't know, for thick discs and you fry them and there's cheese in them and like scallions and herbs and they're crispy on the outside and soft and savory on the inside. And mm. they're so good. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a latka. But perfect. Uh, but a different texture of potato, man. And you know what else I had there? I had kui, <laughs> which is guinea pig. Oh my gosh! How was that for you the first time? Did you it, know you were having it? I knew I was having it. It tasted like chicken. Uh-huh. Um, I also had a pet guinea pig as a child, so it was a little traumatic. But it tasted fine. I'm a vegetarian now, so I probably won't have it again. But it's a delicacy <laughs> there. It is, and it's yeah. so weird to see like on some of the markets you go to, like just like we have rotisserie chicken. There's so much fodder there. You're yes. the best time We'll, we'll talk through. again one day. <laughs> I also kept journals as a kid. So we'll go through and, and just mine them for material for your next We need show. to have a food journal conversation. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be a separate topic. That's a separate one. I'm here for it. Thank you so much. It was so much Thank fun to you. talk to you. You made me a little bit hungry, but... Yay. <laughs> they'll eat good. something delicious. Yeah, go get some yapping gachos with a side of oh. uh, shawarma. Natasha Samrani is a comedian and storyteller. You can follow her on Instagram at Natasha Samrani Comedy. And you can follow us at The Zest Podcast. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Chandler Balcom and Alexandria Ebron. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2023, part of the NPR Network. <laughs>